welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. What's up, everybody? For those of you that have not been here before that are going to watch this live feed and never heard of my channel before, uh, my name is C.J. Reynolds, and this is Sunday Night Teacher Talk, a show where we just, it's really not even a show. It's just me sitting on here talking, answering people's questions about teaching and like, what are you freaking out about this week? Because I try to create content on YouTube that I wish existed when I started teaching, you know, 14, over 14 years ago now. And I remember being freaked out on Sunday nights and I wish that something like this existed. So I'm on here. All these homies on the side are on here. Everyone from Hales Teach to, I don't know who's on here tonight. Leah Pratt's on here. Um, Rebecca Murphy, Jules G, like all these folks are on here and they will help you with it, whatever you are kind of like thinking about too. Um, cause that's what they do. Cause I just see, I don't get to read this while it's going on, but it's just flying by the whole time. And then my wife picks out questions. So, um, if you have questions, just put them in the side. I'll answer anything that you got. Nothing's too weird or too racy or whatever. Uh, because yeah, cause I think that the more, I think the more we are willing as human beings to have difficult conversations, the better off we are. Like I think most of your success is predicated on your ability to have hard conversations. I know that's how, why I'm still married because I learned how to have difficult conversations. Um, so yeah, if anyone's in the Austin, Texas area this week, uh, I will be there and we can, we should hang out and then I'll be, I don't know. And then I'm at, You're in Waco then I'm in Waco, then I'm in Miami. Then I'm in That's it right now. One month at a time. St. Joe's is at the end of the month in Philly. Um yeah. And then I'll just then I'll start making actual regular YouTube content after that because I've just been so crazy busy. So crazy busy that I can't get it all done. And um I got this other secret project going on that I'm not gonna talk about yet. Secret project. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Right. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Um, Steve Hearns gave a dollar. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks, Steve. When people give money, just so you know, right? Like, uh, let me talk about this while you're pulling up questions. Um, maybe a month ago, we just threw out there this idea that would anyone give money if we were going to give haircuts to my students, right? Haircut culture is really important in West in Philadelphia in general. And so like when kids get bad haircuts because their mom decides to do it in the kitchen because they don't want to pay 20 bucks, which is completely understandable, um, but they need a haircut, they just do it in the kitchen. And then sometimes that thing gets jacked up and it looks like your mom cut your hair in the kitchen. <laughs> so I had this idea that I was going to pay local barbers that were former students of mine to cut kids' hair. And people just started giving money. Um, and they didn't ask for it yet. I don't think we even asked for it. It was just kind of like, do you think people would do this? And so we set that up. Like we're like, we're collecting. We, we are, are sitting in PayPal. We are all that money sitting in PayPal, and we're trying to organize whether or not um, the question right now is is like, do barbers have time? Like, should I just send kids there and they get a haircut, and then like I Venmo them money, or do I want to do like an event at school where like kids that we pre-select show up to the school, get a haircut, we'll have two of those barbers there. So that that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. But I've been literally speaking somewhere every weekend um and so i just have not been able to like coordinate a date but it, it will happen in end of march beginning of april at the latest um if we do the event and so my hope is to make a video out of that but my hope is I, what i don't want to do is like show kids faces because i don't want to put them on blast 
um, for, you know, needing a hookup, but I would just get like shots uh, and talking to the barber of the space that we created and all that side stuff. Yeah like, yeah. like side shots or back of someone's head. Cause you know, a lot of them, you know, the back of your head, it just looks like the back of your head. <laughs> we could blur, you could blur. You know, a lot also. of people think I look like Ryan Reynolds from Shush. backside of my okay, head. Questions. So, uh, questions. Let's go. Jamie Crook is asking, how do you survive if you are, <laughs> if you are solo parenting and full-time teaching with planning, where's the rest of that question? Oh, oh shoot. With planning, with time management. So first of all, um, in terms of, I mean, look, not until my wife went back to work, I, you were home for what, 10 years before you went to back to work? Seven. Yeah. Seven you had a long hiatus. It was lovely. Hey, hey. no hiatus. I, I worked my butt <laughs> off. Chill. So, but after you went back to work after 10 years, it was a huge transition for me. It was like, get home early, pick up the kids or get them from like a sitter that we had to pay through the nose for, come home, do homework, make dinner, make sure the house is in order, then do whatever I had to do for like YouTube and everything else that I was doing. And then I came home and gave showers. Yeah. Then you would come home and give showers. I would go back to work and it was like it the was most blast. exhausting thing. Cause we have no help. I mean, like I, like, no. you know, I have family, but like, you know, both of my parents are gone. Her mom lives in New Mexico. Her dad works a lot. Like we don't have like that typical, like someone reaching out. So I, I, I'm just, situation, no. Right? And so I, I bring all that up just to kind of like prove the point of like, like I, I get it. Like it's, it's difficult. Um, I think you just pivot all the time. I think you figure out like what is enough to get by in school some weeks. And then some weeks just aren't even my classroom is not awesome all the time. Like some weeks it's like passable. And I feel like if anybody came into my room, they would be like completely underwhelmed by what we were doing. And then other weeks it's awesome. It's like, Oh shit. Like I feel like a great teacher. And that's how I feel like as a parent also, or as a husband, it's like, there are times when like, you just have to just, something has to take precedence over other things. And I think it's just, you just keep doing it. And over time you start getting used to it. Right. It's like the first time your little kids like threw up, right. It was like a nightmare. You didn't know how to do it. After like the 15th time that they've thrown up, you're like, eh, you know, you gotta deal with this, get the bleach, get the, I don't know, whatever that crap is. I don't even know. Cause you don't. You don't, don't ever do that part. I really just go. You're a good Jedi, cuddler. Jedi. Kids. I will cuddle the children while you clean up their vomit and poop. Um, right. So it's like, I think you just get used to, you like, do. there's not so many things don't get easier. You just get better at dealing with them. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. Um, and self-care. Yeah. And self-care. Absolutely. I've been, and look, not like we always have money for stuff like this either. I just make it a precedent. Like, making sure that I'm running, making sure I'm going to the gym, making sure I pay for hot yoga, making sure I pay for uh, getting a massage or something like that or going As to the doctors. Yeah. It ebbs and flows for, for sure for anyone. But it's like, it's making sure you're doing that stuff and that because yeah. it's life giving. Mm -hmm. um, winter, winter. Oh, I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, Winter is asking, how do you quote unquote fix a class that is not going well at this point in the school year? I think it's the best time in the school year to do to fix to make a class better. Uh, I, I, you know, I think that this year. So look, there's always a big thing that comes up every year, right? So like whether and let let's like let's just put this out there. Um, 
We had one year. My wife woke up in the middle of the night. We didn't even know that she was pregnant. She had an ectopic pregnancy. She had to have a surgery like in the middle of the night. We didn't get to call anyone. No one else knew. Like I slept in the hospital. There's not a soul around. And it was this really horrific thing to deal with. And then that was like, uh, it was heartbreaking. And then, you know, the, what was it the next year they found like a mass yeah, um, I had like three surgeries and like every year for the you next year. they thought it was cancer and so that was a thing it was like you know anyone out there that knows anyone who's ever had cancer it's not like they just take care of stuff right away they're like okay um it's really aggressive stage four gonna wait <laughs> about six weeks till we start doing treatment it's like six what are you talking about if there's a fire that's really bad at your house you don't friggin' say it. we'll be there in like you know a little bit um tomorrow maybe we got some room in our schedule no you get on that ship i don't really know why they do that but Anyway, that was heartbreaking. And then, you know, even this year, like my grandma was sick and like out of nowhere, she fell, she broke her leg, she ended up in the hospital, um, she ended up in hospice. And that took up a lot of time and energy and still like really raw. I mean, she's a great part of my life. The point being is that when you go through that stuff, like school can suck. And I just felt like this year that I'm not on my A game. I feel like I'm at like a C straight C at best. Um, but my plan is to kick ass at the end of the year for the end of the year. And part of the reason I know I can do that is because one, you can see the end of the year. You can literally reverse engineer your year from here on out. Like, what do you want to get done? What do you want to teach? What kind of cool stuff do you want to do? And then go for it because it's almost done anyway. It's like, you can see the finish line just Sprint the rest of the way. Don't like jog. Don't take a sip of water. Don't think about it. Like just kick ass. And I just think that it's easier to do that when you can see the finish line. When like you can see the buds. If you look on bushes right now, and you're in our part of the country, like uh, in the in the northeast, like you can see the buds forming on the ends of the of the branches. You can see the tulips just under the dirt. And so it's like you know it's coming. So just kick ass and then you'll be better for it because you know there's an out anyway. If shit just goes completely sideways, then you can you know that you can just still do well um, or like it's going to be over. So like who cares if it went completely sideways anyway? Like what can you learn from that experience and then how can you apply that next year? Uh, what do you got for me, Duder? That, that? that was no. Oh, living a lie. I was not paying attention. You are living a lie. Want me to sing a song? Nope, I got one. <laughs> um, you're really good. I feel you're at some point I'm gonna be able to sing a song. And you, you might catch me. You always ruin it. Um, Tatiana Spencer. I used to teach Tatiana. I think I taught several Tatianas. Um, I like that word or that name. Um, hey Reynolds, in your experience, is common for school administrators to do to feel disorganized and putting out one initiative after another, hoping something will stick? Yeah, especially I feel like I don't know if like wealthy schools or schools with like not just wealthy but schools with like uh with a history with um where there is like something like tried and true measures that they found for you know whatever population they're teaching maybe those folks like don't deal with this i, I don't really know but where i teach it's always like some new harebrained scheme this year like this year we're going to try this thing right we're going to do this crazy new thing and sometimes those work, right? So like our principal, um, a number of years ago, wanted to do, uh, what did we call it? It's like a like a, like a a schedule that moves. Like, I forget what the hell they call it. They have a, they have a name for it. No, it's like, so like 
Monday, Mondays, it's like period one through seven, straight through. Period one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then Tuesday, it's like two, three, six, seven, lunch period, and then one and two are at the end of the period. And then the next day, it's like three. So it just keeps moving down. The idea there was that, you know, and a lot of times... Yeah, yeah. Block so, schedule. but no, that's not block. Mine's not block schedule. Block oh. schedule is when you have like one English class for like four hours or something oh. like that in a week. Um, but I, I first I was like, this is a terrible idea. I don't want to. I like it. Who the hell wants to deal with all this? It's confusing. It's weird. But it ended up being awesome. And then other years, you know, other schools, especially when I was in Camden, Camden had a new idea like every week. I just started ignoring them and not going along with whatever they were saying because <clears throat> I was one of the only people that stayed at the school. Um, I don't necessarily recommend you go against the wishes of your school all the time, but um, but it worked for me. And so I think that that is difficult because they're always coming up with some new crazy idea. I just, I just don't buy into all of them right away. I just wait and see if it's actually going to work um, because sometimes you put in all that work and then the next year you're like, yeah, we don't want to do that anymore. We have this new idea. And then it's like, dude, what the hell? I just did all this stuff for nothing. So yeah. I don't think that works. What do you got? I got, I got Singing? Time? Oh. Uh, Kim H is saying, I'm struggling with the other teacher in my grade level. She's super nice, but unreliable and flaky. She's a mentor teacher, but, uh, but I feel like I'm pretty much on my own advice. So I would say, Kim, I, I found a long time ago that I don't, I don't, how do I put this? Cause it's going to sound really cold and weird. Um, I wanted look, look I'll, maybe I'll just explain it a little bit. I don't, tr- I don't like count on anyone. I, there's no one at my school that I need. Um, I'd like to be able to do as much stuff as I can on my own. And the reason for that is one teaching inner city, like the turnover rate is so crazy sometimes that like, sometimes I just feel like half the staff leaves in a given year, right? Maybe it's not that much, but if there are pivotal people that you care about, that you wanted to be there, that you had, you know, some kind of connective piece with like, like, yeah, like, and so right now, there are people like I've had on the channel before, like Bluth or Cho or Yonkers, like Hasty, like there's people that I really count on at this point. But really, there's not anyone that if they left, I'd be like, oh, no, the school's going to change. Oh, no, my class is going to be different. Like, I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, and that happens in my classroom. I don't need anyone to ensure that that's going to happen. Now, you know, I, I think that... That being said, like the idea of a mentor is like, I wouldn't need it. Um, and I think you can find mentoring other places. I think online, I think on the Facebook group, I think on here, I think you could email any number of these people and they would help you out. Um, I mean, I have a paid mentoring program, but I mean, again, that costs money, but like, um, so it's not free or buy your school or something like that. But um, I don't know. I mean, get your school to, I wonder if your school would fund something yeah, get like your school that. to pay me. I'll mentor so you. So someone in the comments said that they wish they could get, um, Rebecca Murphy said, I wish I could get professional development points for showing up to your live. Yo, there someone are, did. I, somebody I emailed. Oh, did they say it on there? No, I did. There are schools that pay folks that watch. I, now look. I, no, they it, don't pay. No, they, they don't pay. They give credit for professional development for watching. Now I've heard my channel. I'm certain there are other people's channels as well that they would get credit for like letter classroom, apocryphal primary, like these kind of high end, like really well put together folks. But like, um, yeah, you know, I think the other part of that real quick is dealing with the flakiness is like, I just, it's like, 
if I don't expect anything of anyone, then I'm never let down. And that sounds cold and dark and weird, but like, I've just had a life where like too many people have flaked. And so I just don't count on anything anymore. And every time I do, I find that same thing. Like I've worked with people that were really flaky and, and you couldn't count on them. And when you count on them, it's like, shit. Um, so I just stopped doing that. And now I just do my own thing, um, which isn't a particularly good question, but like, or answer, but that's kind of what, that's what I'm feeling at the moment. Anyway. Um, Wait, a piano boy had a joke. He said, uh, why did the pony think it could fly? Why? It's all horse fly. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, you know, I love cheesy jokes. They're my theme. <laughs> I make a tissue dance. I put a little boogie, put a little in, boogie it. in it. Um, piano boy said, I got my second interview for teaching position on Tuesday at a high school that the high school I went to, what advice do you have for the board or panel interviews? I think, you know, one is don't give an interview that you think is just going to get you the job. Like give the interview that you think is going to like represent best you. represent you one and two, um, maybe reflect on your experience at that school and what it was like and what you wanted to bring. Like, what are you willing to bring to the school to make it the best place that it could possibly be, right? Like, um, is it the lessons? Is it the, is it being a part of the culture there? Like, how do you see yourself taking the school like to the next level or helping be a part of that situation? Um, and that's what I would do. So I would, I would do a little bit of like digging into like what the school's working on now, how it's changed since you've been there. Like, uh, what does, you know, what does the website say? What do their goals say? Like what, what's, stuff you wouldn't have necessarily looked into when you were a student there, but what are they doing and what initiatives do you see yourself being a part of? And that shows that you did your homework also. And then ask questions, come prepared with questions to ask them about their school, about their programs that just clarify a few things so that you're sure that that's somewhere you want to be as well. And I think that that just flips the interview all the time. It shows people that you you're, you're getting off defense and going on offense for a moment. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, Kim, Grace Kim is saying, where do you shop, Reynolds? All your outfits are on point. Thank you. This outfit feels like I am a homeless man um, <laughs> who lost a race a long time. Oh, no, that joke didn't really work. But uh, I shop everywhere. I like. Um, no, we're bougie because we no don't bougie. make that kind of Occasionally, <laughs> like J. Crew's the bougiest I get, but that's like at the outlet J. Crew store. Um, <laughs> yeah, Old Navy, American Eagle, Target, like just regular old places. Um, and some of those places work, but like, what's the old Navy? Is that the place? We went there yesterday. When they have their pants and they, their pants always have like this weird, like pouch in the front of them. Yeah. No matter what size. It's I can't wear old Navy pants either. I it's, wish I could. Cause they're I don't so know. cute. It's like, they're made for some person that I am not. <laughs> um, any tips for picking YA literature for the classroom? Uh, for real, I would. Um, gosh, I would, this is what, this is what I would do. I would one, ask your students what they're interested in. What do they want to read? Have them go on Amazon and look stuff up and see what they think is interesting to them. Did I not? I don't think I did. Um, Alex, sorry, Alex, uh, Alex, um, that's, oh, awesome. Look at that. She like she said a huge thank you to your channel, but she said she never makes it to a live feed. Oh well, look, you made it to the live feed, and I'm answering your question. Awesome. Um, so look, I I think that's what I do. Number one is I just ask kids like, what are they interested in? Doesn't mean you have to order that particular book, but it gives you a sense of like where your students are and what they're interested in. 
as teacher, I think teachers too many times, like even base lessons on things that they think are cool. So I used to know this guy that taught and he would base his lessons a lot of times on music that he liked. So like explosions in the sky or singer rose or band of horses. And it's like, that's all I like. I like all that music also, but my students certainly don't like it. But if you base the lesson on young thug or two chains or a little baby, like that is the game changer right there. Right. And not because you're trying to be cool as usual, because you're trying to be relevant. Um, it changes the game. And so you're, that's why you ask your students what they're interested in. And then, um, there's a guy on YouTube. You can just get his email from anywhere called Colby Sharp. And Colby Sharp is like the master of books for kids. Like he knows everything. I would hit that dude up also. Um, you could like, so I have, there's another guy. You can find him on Twitter. His name's Randy Rebuy. Can you type that in the comment, John? Cause I'm we'll probably spell it wrong anyway. Um, my friend, Randy White, he, he writes YA books. Um, and then he, uh what does he do he like reviews them and stuff too like for literary magazines and stuff so he like is a he's like super into YA writing and, and all that stuff and i just think that they're better resources than necessarily i am um for that kind of stuff but that's what i would do got a question uh, oh so then alex is asking um how do you encourage reluctant readers i put books in front of them that they want to read and then I read books with them. I'm never, ever, ever doing work while my kids are reading. So like if I have independent reading days once a week, let's say it's on one, you really paint your nails right now, aren't you? I'm not. Because I can smell it. Yeah, I'm playing it's, with nail polish because Marley has it out. Sorry. <laughs> Strong. Uh, so what that looks like is every Wednesday for 20 minutes or so, we just read whatever books we've picked already. And I show whatever book I'm reading that week. And then I start reading it. And right now I'm reading how to be a bouse by Lily Singh. She's a YouTuber that I'm saying is, no, it's pronounced bouse. How do you know? Cause I heard her in an interview say oh, bouse. Okay. And it's spelled B-A-W-S-E. Bouse. So I am reading something with them and then I just sit with them. I, I let them sit wherever they want in the room. They can sit on the windowsill on the floor and the little boxes in the back on the couch, whatever. And then I go to wherever the majority of the students are and I just sit with them and not like to keep an eye on them, even though that's why I'm really there, but to just chill and mimic for them, like, like show them what it looks like to read and to be interested. And then at the end of it, I go, yo, who's reading what, like what's happening in your book and kids talk about it. It gets other kids interested in like weird books that they didn't think about before. Or I'll say like, yo, I got to read you this part from my book real quick. And then I'll just read something from, you know, a passage from the book that I thought was particularly interesting that week. And then we talk about it. And I think that's how you build a culture around books is you're, it's really like reading stuff and then sharing ideas and like, who wants to share an idea? Who thought of something cool? Who thought of something relatable? Who thought of something funny? Um, and that works really, really well. Uh, La Laverdad. Um, that's how that's me and my Jersey accent. Um, talking about scheduling healthy activities in the week to week groove. I'd appreciate your experience on that. So I look, I think in my experience, it really comes down to making non-negotiables, right? Like I just, so look, to be honest, like social media has made this easier for me. Like I post almost every day that I run. And so today's 80 day 84, I think that I've run in a row. Like I've not taken a day off since December 10th and I've run every single day since then. 
my plan is to run every single day for a year. Now I only run um, at the minimum, it's a mile. So tonight it's snowing and raining outside. And so if I don't go to the gym, it's a mile. And then if I go to the gym, I just feel it out. Like, do I feel like going more? Do I want to push myself? Like some nights my, it really hurts. Um, and I've been eating too much bread lately. So like my joints hurt cause I'm old. Um, but it is a non-negotiable. And what, but when I post that on social media, it helps to keep me accountable. If I miss days, there are friends online that go like, yo, did you run today? Did you miss a day? Like what happened? Um, I also get up every morning at 5 a.m. without fail. And here's how I do it. When the alarm goes off, I get to snooze once if I want. So that's an extra nine minutes in bed. Um, after that, I put my feet on the floor. And if I don't get up, then I fall asleep in bed with my feet on the floor and my back still on the bed. That hurts like hell when you get up. If you <laughs> fall back to sleep for even 10 more minutes, it's really painful. But so it's usually enough to get me out of bed. And if it doesn't, then I realize that for the next time, I better get my butt out of bed because it hurts to have your feet on the floor. So then I get up, I go through my morning routine. And that is really, I think, a game changer more than anything else because it sets my day. So that looks like I wake up, I pray silently for as long as it takes. Like I don't have an alarm or anything set. Like um, then I sort of like I do affirmations, like where I repeat certain things. In I, I I do it aloud, but I do it very low, so I don't wake everyone up. And then I envision my day, so like I envision like exactly what I have to do that day and what I need to get done, and like what it would look like if it went well. And then I envision like the rest of my life, like what are the goals that I'm sort of dreaming of that are like on the top echelon of like of everything that I want to achieve in my life. And then I literally picture myself like like opening that car door handle feeding chickens because i want to own chickens and own a tiny horse that his name is will be kevin and i picture myself walking in a field with kevin and feeding <laughs> him um so th that's really stuff that i do and then like and then i read in the morning for 20 minutes my wife comes down we have coffee together for 30 minutes and then i get ready for school and that all takes about an hour but that's the start of it. I think the bottom line is you're building momentum. So if you get up even 10 minutes earlier and then 15 minutes earlier and then 20 minutes earlier, like you're building momentum and then you'll start doing something else that's healthy in your life and something else that's healthy in your life and something else that's restorative. And so I think that that's what it is. The name of the game is momentum in anything, right? Um, very rarely do you meet someone and you're like, let's get married, right? No, you got to build momentum up to that. Very like no one has six pack abs all of a sudden. No, you have to build momentum up and then get six pack abs. Like um, no one even just pops out a baby. You got to build momentum up and then you pop out a baby. And like, so I think that's how it works. Um, so that that's what I think you do. It's the, it's a momentum game. So what little thing can you do tomorrow that just starts building the momentum hands down? Um, Laura Brady is asking, would you please talk a little bit about your, tips for teachers during job fair. I'm freshly out of undergrad and into my master's, I think. So I've never had an adult job. Um, at a job, man, job fairs would be weird. I've never been to a job fair. Um, but I know kind of what you're talking about. Like, cause we recruit at those things all the time. I feel like it's like your theme of like being uncommon. Yeah. I, I, so I, I think, look, um, did I talk about this already? Let me, let's use this movie reference because a friend of mine just used it recently. If you remember in, there's a movie 
that if you haven't watched it, I, mean, I might be recommending that you watch this movie called Legally Blonde with Reese Witherspoon. And in that movie, Reese Witherspoon goes on a job interview, I think the thing was, but a resume is printed on pink paper, not regular paper. And it's sprayed with, is it have perfume on it or something yeah, like that, right? Like it's like some fancy perfume. It. And then that's what she gives in. You know, David Goggins would say, you need to be uncommon amongst uncommon people. So take all the weirdos that you are associated with. And I I mean, I'm assuming you're a weirdo. I know I am. Um, so because I'm a 40-year-old man that makes YouTube videos. Uh, so you <laughs> take all the weird people you're associated with, all the wackos that are doing like cool stuff in your life. And you want to be uncommon even amongst those folks. So how do you do that? I think it just comes down to like trying to think of how you could possibly separate yourself from everyone else. Everyone else has the same clothes on, they have the same story, they have the same sort of resume. You know, look, I, I, my resume is not even good. Like I went to community college for too long. And then I went to a state school in New Jersey, I went to Rowan University, um, which at that time, like nobody knew about Rowan University. Now it's all bougie and nice when you go down there and I get to, you know, people are like, oh, you went to Rowan? And it's like, back, back then it was like, <laughs> oh, you like went this. to Rowan? Um, and so I think, that I just knew I wanted to kick ass. So it's like just about trying to find those little ways that you can like be uncommon amongst uncommon people. Um, and then think of that when you're walking around that job fair, like what does that look like? Does it look like you're going to, so like one of the things I do is I write handwritten thank you notes to everyone I meet. So when I go to this conference this week, every single person that I get a business card from, gets a handwritten note back from me. Um, and that breaks through the white space or breaks through the noise, right? It is the white space. It is no one's sending handwritten notes anymore. Or you, I mean, you could type them also, but I, if I did that, I would do it like on a typewriter and then send that out and just say, Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to meet with me. I really appreciate it. Blah, blah, blah. That was it. Or I have a friend, Randy, that like when Randy would do job fairs, he would always ask folks what Game of Thrones character they most closely relate themselves with. Really? Yeah, that was like one of his interview questions for people at job fairs. And it went over really well because it made it was like made it fun. It made it a little bit different. And you like, got some insight. Yeah, and you got some insight into who somebody thought that they were. So if someone said that they were Littlefinger, probably don't want to, you know, hire that dude. <laughs> so. Um if they, were, said, if they were Joffrey, you know. Someone said that they should um, check out Pocketful Primary, who she's really good at that sort of stuff, too. Like, she has, like, a... a job interview? Yeah, not job interview, but, like, the job fair. So she's, like, a portfolio that she has made that just kind of... It's just the, the little things that go above and beyond that make you stand out different from yeah. the common people around you. Yeah. So if you go on any YouTuber's uh, site, or if you even go on my friend Michelle's on Pocketful Primary, at the top where it says like videos, channel, about, there's a little magnifying glass for those of you that don't know. You can just type in a keyword in there and then it'll just search her content and you can find videos based on that because I know that she was doing, like trying to find a job just recently, uh, like a couple years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, Jamie Crook, how do you deal with an out of control class? I mean, there's a million ways you could deal with an out-of-control class. It really depends on, like, what they're doing and who they are and what your personality is. Um, so, look, my friend, Mr. Bluth, uh, who was on a video not too long ago, Bluth is very – he is just, like, the most earnest dude you ever met. He, It's like he doesn't – like, he's just a good, good dude. And so Bluth – Grew up in Southern California. He has that kind of Southern California demeanor where he's just like, man, like, why is it? Like, why can't everyone just do their work? 
why can't everyone just chill? Like, why are they so wild and loud and crap? And so Bluth used to yell and Bluth used to get really mad. And Bluth would come to me at the end of the day and look like he was all frazzled. But now in class, you should see him. If someone acts out of pocket, he has these sheets are called classroom reflections. And the kid has to write what they did, what, what the teacher said they did, what they, what they perceived as what, what they did, um, how they should have handled it better and what they should do next time. Right. And so it is not an admission of guilt. It is like, I'm just going to reflect on this moment in time. And then we can talk about it later. Cause it also informs the teacher too, as to like what happened in the, in the child's mind. So if someone's acting out of pocket in class booth goes, Oh, I'm sorry. You can't call another student an asshole. And I'm sorry that we didn't talk about this before. And then you should go ahead, fill out this reflection. And he just keeps it super cool all the time, but almost in a way that's like tongue in cheek. And it is so funny to watch because kids don't know what to do with that. They're used to getting yelled at and stuff. And Booth just comes over to them, talks to them really calm and cool like this. And uh, our assistant principal, Mr. Dorian, does the same thing. Dorian is like, Dorian does that like at nausea to kids where kids are just like, yo, I think he, there's something wrong with that guy. And I'm like, no, man, it's so calculated. It's so brilliant because it's so calculated. And then there's folks like Cho who like Cho go, like just takes no bullshit, but like is not afraid of anyone. Like will stare you dead in your eye until you submit to whatever she says. And then the kids love her for it. And then other kids have her back for me. It's like, I just make fun of dudes. Like I, I just, I just crack jokes that snap you back in line. Like that say, I, you're super witty. I, and I, you but I use that, Everybody yeah, has but I use the wittiness to like, it almost is like a punch to the stomach where someone's like gasping for air. Like they don't know what to say back. Cause that whatever I said was like so ridiculous or out of pocket. And like, they don't know what to Sometimes do. Sometimes I that. wish they could really get So look, I mean, and teacher. some of that stuff, look, I, there's reasons I don't like share what I say all the time because in the moment it's funny, right? But when it's in, like when I say it out loud, like not everybody gets it or they might like take it the wrong way. Like I know that there's definitely ways that I talk to kids, but I keep it real with kids. Like, that, and that's why I break it down. Like I tell kids in class, like, yo, like, let me just break this down for you because this is a hundred percent where you're headed. I don't sugarcoat it. I don't make it seem like everything is going to be all right. I'm just, I'm just like reading some truth. And so when I do that, other teachers have in the past, like heard me say things and they're like, you're like belittling children or like, um, you're like verbally assaulting them. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like it's, I, I love my students. Um, I just don't suffer fools and I, and I try and suffocate bullshit as often as I can. And sometimes that comes off as really passionate. And there are other people that like, just don't see it that way. But I, you know, I just know it works. Like, like it works because I've been doing it for 14 years and I've seen a hundred percent work. Um, and that's just kind of like it down. Um, so I, I hope that kind of answered your question. That's like a couple different ways that people deal with it. Um, Patrick Millahan says, I'm uh, conservative and I'm worried about not fitting into the political atmosphere in public high schools as a future high school teacher. Look, Patrick, that's a really great point. So my wife and I were just talking about this last night um, where there are folks that, so let me break this down for you, right? Um, I purposefully, like almost never get caught up in anything that's happening online that has to do with some hot button topic in terms of like, 
how do I want it? How do I see I this? Like, we were just talking about this yesterday. Remember? I mean, yeah, you don't like so race. I mean, that's like a big hot book, but button topic right let, let me, i just think that what you do is the difference in what you do is like you don't politically take a stand for or against something you always say it's about the conversation one always. and two you lead by example of what you do in just your actions of who you are as a person yes. in the classroom with students yada yada i am always far more interested in knowing someone's story and not just and not just demonizing them or like becoming divisive or like saying something that's going to be like you're over there and i'm over here and there's no common ground right there's too much of that in the political climate or or just in the world in, in general right now um but i i think so like look let me break it down for you like this a few years ago um one of my students was shot came out of a basketball game there was a fight some kind of altercation between these two dudes the night before Guy came back with his homies, shot my student in the face, right? And he was killed immediately. It was really, really sad. Everyone really loved this kid. He was a great dude. Um, and he was dead. One of my first thoughts was, like, right after, like, so my first thought is always, like, what are we doing tomorrow? Like, let's get ready because we got to take care of kids. But one of my other first thoughts was, I would love to go to that prison because they caught the kid, like, immediately because he just did it in public. Um and go talk to that student, the kid that shot my student. Because I would love to know, where did that come from? Like, what what made you make that decision? Like, what made you think that this was okay or that you had to do this? Or what, whatever it was that was running through your mind, I'd love to know that. Because um, I think it just informs you as a teacher, right? It informs you as a human being. It helps you to, like, see how kids think and, and how they react to things. And um there were a lot of people that like I talked to about that, that like just didn't think that was a good idea or thought that was stupid or like, how could you? And to me, it's like, there's still kids, right? Like, like I love that dude too, but like I, I would, that other side of that is interesting to me. And not in a way where I think that that kid's not guilty or like that he shouldn't be punished. Like I'm not saying that I'm just interested in the story. And so if I was, you know, conservative going into somewhere that was like very liberal, I would just be interested in like, if someone came to me and said like, um, you know, whoever you voted for is wrong. It's to me, it's more like, no, he's not, or no, she's not. Uh, this is why I believe what I believe. It's like, that's really interesting. Can you tell me why you think that? And, but you come at it from a really authentic place and not like a, like, Oh really? Why do you think that, you know, you're not trying to be like sassy with someone, but really legitimately, um, and honestly asking questions. And I think that that's a much better place to be in is how are you asking questions about what's going on? So I don't care if you voted for Hillary in the last election or Donald Trump, right? Like if someone comes at you and says that they believe we should build a wall between the U S and Mexico, my question, my answer isn't always like, I'm not going to like immediately just stick up for everyone that's at the border at all this stuff that's been in the news, like people that are trapped there, people that families that are being separated. I'm not going to try and prove my point. What I'd rather know is like, bro, that's, that's fascinating to me because I know all the stuff that's going on. It's fascinating to me. Could you tell me how you came to this conclusion? And that's what I'd rather hear because that's where you can meet people, make a connection and possibly, you know, like come together as human beings, as opposed to like, you're on that side, get the frig away from me. I'm not even talking about that. This is why you're wrong. It's like breaking it down and having that conversation. So that's what I would do. I don't really tell you talking about politics either. So it's like, uh, 
So I, I'm trying to stay in my lane right here. So I. I well, I mean, that's really what his concern is. Also, yeah. like. Vincent Messina is saying in Pennsylvania, is there are there programs to, that specialize in dyslexia? Saying, are there any programs? Um, like, I don't know what she means. Like, for teaching teachers or my experience, what I've been told children. is that schools are not mandated to test children for dyslexia, and I think that is that, that comes from. Wait, is that specific for Pennsylvania? I, that's what I was told. But when, okay. when I asked about it, because I thought I, I had a student that I was yeah. almost certain was dyslexic. The parent came to me and asked me about it, asked me what my opinion was. I told them what my opinion was. I, I suggested they go to their special ed department um, and see if they could get their child tested. And okay, so they're they're not mandated to screen for dyslexia, but by law for under IDEA, and that's a federal law, not state, yep. it is mandated for them to test in every area of suspected disability. So that trumps that. Like you're talking about a screening. So like there's a dyslexia screening for most Maybe. schools. Like New Jersey is mandated. Pennsylvania is not mandated to screen the for dyslexia. The parent asked if they could have their child tested for dyslexia and they were told no. That is the against school. the federal law based upon under IDEA. Is it? Or is that no, not absolutely. in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Federal Trump state always. And it's a federal law. It's not right. a state so, you know, so I'm not sure what she's asking. Like, are there programs like schools? There's like tons of great schools in Pennsylvania, like private schools for dyslexia. But if you're looking for programs in like what they do for dyslexia, you have places like Scottish Rite, which is a free organization. You can get on a signing list if you need tutoring for someone in dyslexia or there's a grassroots. Move over. I don't want to. There's a, uh, thank you. There's a grassroots organization. Every state should have one, and it's called Decoding Dyslexia. You can look under them and find probably lots of resources as well. What about uh, Wilson programming? Oh well, yeah, that's like a specific like programming for like when you actually tutor. Yeah, yeah Wilson, Susan Barton. Do you want to tell the name of your group that you're part of? Is that work? Yeah, there's a great Facebook group, like a closed Facebook group you can go to. Um, I, I don't know what it's called off, offhand. Oh, for parents of children with dyslexia, something yeah. like that. So that's what she uses in like every like question that she asks. That a really answer. good resource. If it's you're, the best. Resource. And you don't even have, you could just be a teacher that's like looking to learn about dyslexia and like how to help students. And you can even go on there. So yeah. it's just on Facebook. It's a private Facebook yeah. group. I also have a teacher talk that I did a while ago. Um, with a woman named Joellen and she came on and we answered questions about dyslexia and like, she's a really great resource also. So whether you go and just watch that interview that I did with her, or the talk that I did with her, or if you go on and just follow her rabbit trail, she has tons of great stuff. All right, stuff B Francis, I just love your comment of, did anyone hear the law and order theme in their head? One, because that's one of my favorite shows and he makes fun of me for it. Because you have to be 90 to watch law <laughs> well, and order. Well, I do elder care, so does that count? You do. And you love Golden Girls, so I, mean, I do. It's like I'm really just practicing to be. You're just a senior old. citizen, really young. You're just catching up. Ah, oh, jeez. You're Benjamin Button. Um, I'm gonna sing a song. I'm so thirsty tonight. Come on, sis, up here. I don't know. Westmore. Mm-hmm. You're Cassie B said. Have you read the other Westmore? I think it'd be great in the classroom. It is so I've tried to I've read it with a small group before and it was good, but it was a little bit longer than they kind of like wanted. Um 
but the other Westmore is a really great book. Uh, and that guy was actually supposed to speak at our graduation a couple of years ago. And then had to cancel last minute and the school didn't tell us. And I was sitting there. I was so excited to hear this guy talk. And then like this woman got up on stage and I was like, who is this? This is not, it's not Wes Moore. And she was not very good either. So that was disappointing, but I was really excited that I was going to meet that guy. Um, so yeah, other Wes Moore, if you guys haven't seen it, like you can just Google it and find the, um, he has a really great book trailer for it too. That kind of gives you the gist of it, but that's a good book to read in class. Um, Stephanie Jimenez is saying, Hey, been a while. What do you guys do for a giggly class? It's the last period of the day and literally anything will set them off for five minutes. They're great kids, but they, I need to focus them. Um, I think I, I look, I, I just think having real talks with kids is, is where it gets down to like, and not from a teachery. Like I, I got to figure this out. We're like, there is, you know, and I'm not saying that, that you're doing this, Miss Jimenez, but like, I, I think there is a teachery way that people handle stuff and there's a real way that people handle stuff. Right. And so if you can get out of that teachery mode, sometimes <laughs> I love I just, right? like, it's just hard no, to explain. It, but it's We're perfect. Like, I don't know. Who are you explaining that you originally said, oh, you were at a conference, your teacher. Like you were talking about something with someone. Oh, and conference. someone was telling me how they handled the situation. They were like, but the student, they said, I did do that, but the kids didn't respond. And I said, that's good. And they told me what they did. And I said, cause you did it all teachery. That's why like you did it teachery. You didn't do it like, like real human beings, like on the street, meeting in the supermarket, like sitting on the that's bar. So and that's true, bar school even next when I talk to like, like teachers at a conference, they still, there's no realness, like, which, and it drives me nuts. And I've had other real teachers, yeah. but like, they're very teachery even to me. And I'm like, yeah. I think in my head, could you knock it off and just talk to me like I'm a human being? Yeah. It's like, like when you talk to a car salesman, right? Like they just always talk like a car salesman and stuff. And not all teachers are like that, but I think the difference with that is, um, you know, I, I would say something to along the lines of like, Look, we need to have real rap. That's where my channel name came from. I'm like, yo, we need to have some real rap real quick. This is what needs to get done. It's not getting done because every time somebody says, reads the word ball or, you know, whatever, like everyone gets all giggly and weird and starts laughing and stuff. And he, and that, that, you know, on one side, that shouldn't be a problem, right? It's great. Life's great. And we should be able to laugh and have fun in class. And it should be awesome. And I want you to be like engaged and feel good and feel safe to be able to like, to feel happy in class. Right. I, I think, I honestly think that being publicly happy is like one of the most revolutionary things somebody can do. However, when we're doing that all the time without being able to control ourselves then we're not being able to get to the places that we need to get to, right? Like there's certain amounts of things we need to read or talk about or do so we can hone that craft. It's like if we're in a gym all the time and I need you to do pull-ups and push-ups and run and you're not doing that, then the problem becomes we're not getting it done because you're laughing all the time, right? And the work's not getting done. And then you're going to go, well, I don't have abs. I don't understand. Why aren't I getting abs? It's like, because all you do is screw around all the time. So we need to put it on lock. So we can get this done. And then I would say in the future, going forward, I'm going to let you know, you'll look, I need 10 minutes where we're not laughing. We're not screwing around. Can I get that? Cause I believe in you and I, and I want to help you get to the place that you can get to. I need 10 minutes. Got it. And everyone can like, I tell you, just get kids to comply all the time. It's like, I let them know, like, look, I need this much time. And then at the end of that 10 minutes, 
I would say something stupid. I would do something stupid. I would say something silly. I'd make a joke to let them know that we're out of that. And then if I needed them back again, I'd be like, yo, I need you back for 30 more seconds. Are you ready? Here we go. And then 30 more seconds of me giving direction or whatever it is. And so you, you learn to sort of like dance with that, um, that behavior instead of like putting an end to it. You're, you're dancing with it and, and saying like, I get it. Like I, 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 there's part of this I love. It just can't happen all the time. Um, and I think that's how you get down with kids. Uh, Niz Art is saying, any tips for getting middle school kids to slow down and take their time? Half my art class is getting projects done before the end or the rest of my class. And I keep having to come up with extra activities. Now, look, Niz, it's like, let, let me take this two different ways. Because if they're getting done early because they just can rock that thing and they, and they don't need to spend a lot of time on it. Um, I think just having something built in that they can do, even if that's independent reading, um, is a good thing. But if they are, yeah. Like if they're in, oh no, no, oh, like reading our class. Yeah. So maybe they have like some super project they keep working on, but like, but if they're just blowing through it because they're not being careful. If you try and make kids read that are in art class, yeah, I, didn't I feel realize like they're going to really slow down and take their time on their project because they probably don't want to read. It's possible. Um, but if they are, I, I, I'm always talking to my students about the importance of, um, oh, nope, don't want to do that. Uh, the importance of attention to detail, right? Like if your girlfriend says that she likes red roses for her birthday and you get her yellow, you can't go, ah, but it's still roses, got your roses. Like if you, if her birthday's on the 15th, but you celebrate it on the 16th, you're not paying attention to detail. And so maybe come up with something where like you are like grading them or the, whatever they're doing, there's a bearing on like the amount of focus that they're putting into any given thing. Um, my friend Dave DeFentorn, who's a really great photographer, said that that's the greatest thing he learned in the military was like when you do anything, it is always your attention to detail, whether you are cleaning a floor or a toilet or making your bed or ironing your clothes. It is always the attention to detail that's going to set you apart from everyone else. And that is something everybody has control over. And so I would find something that forces them to focus on details also. Now, look, I think you can still be wild and crazy and come up with fun, cool, amazing projects. Like there are artists out there that aren't, don't appear to be, you know, honed in on details. Um, but I think they are. I think even if you look at someone like, like a Jackson Pollock or like certain street artists that things just look wild and crazy. There is some attention to detail. That's why we like that and not, you know, kids scribble. Um, yeah. But again, I think that comes down to like having the conversation and then explaining to them why attention to detail is so important. Uh, Patrick Millahan is saying, what other jobs do people take as teachers during the summer? He said other than tutoring. Other than tutoring. Um, I... My first year that I taught, I don't, did we just not know we were not going to get paid anymore or what? Or do we know? And it was just like, no, we weren't sure what we were going to do with it. We, Maybe it was our first we adult paycheck getting paid. that we just were excited. First adult paycheck. paycheck was really great, even though we made no money. Um, but we made Still more than Home Depot. Yeah, we made more than, you know, fledging the jobs at Home Depot. Um, I, my job stopped paying on June 15th. I wouldn't get another paycheck till September 15th. And do we have a baby? Or Brody was born that summer. Yeah, he was born. God, we were so broke. We were so broke that when we went to 
the Chinese food place to get $5 dinner that we would split. We would take a whole bunch of napkins because we were always running out of toilet paper all the time. Um, so like that. Because student teaching killed us. Oh, student teaching killed us because we just used credit cards because I couldn't work. It was awful. And you were working at Starbucks or something like that. Yeah, I was a manager at Starbucks. Um, so I think other than that, like I've just done everything. I've like been a handyman. I've cut lawns. I've uh, worked at Home Depot. I've, I've done pretty much Everything except for a lemonade stand, I think, in, in the summer. Um, but I think tutoring is the way I would go. Uh, but you can do online tutoring. There's a company like uh, Dada ABC that I've worked with in the past. That's just D-A-D-A and then the letters A-B-C. They are a company that um, all you have to do is have a good internet connection. You wear one of their blue shirts. You can wear pajama bottoms all day. It doesn't matter. And you tutor children online. They're in China. And they pay a lot of money for this resource. So you are, so you're getting like a, like kids that like actually want to show up and do it. Their parents are really engaged in it and you make like $30 an hour, like working for them in the summertime. And so I think that's, that's what I would do. Tutoring is always the thing that's paid the most or in Jersey. I used to work for a company called Excel Academy and they paid like what 30 or $35 an hour for me to work there. And it was like such a refreshing thing because you didn't have to worry about like, you know, well, being and all those so kids poor. really did their work. Oh, those kids. It was like that was a game changer. We would show <laughs> up and they're like, like an urban they would like read the whole book at night, but that was after they had saxophone practice and, and soccer until 10 o'clock yeah. at night. And I was like, dude, is everyone taking Adderall and like just rushing through? I don't understand how this works. It was amazing. Um, Alex uh, Rathard is asking, awesome. Uh, well, she, that, she didn't ask awesome. She, said awesome and then she <laughs> said on the same note do you do book reports for book talks of book choice literature if so can you give me a quick overview of what that looks like so look that's that's something you could do and the problem with our school is we've had so many different people in and out of the english department that like someone used to do it one way and then somebody else comes in new and they do it a different way i look i prefer not to for personal reading books i think that there's value and just having kids read, just having them enjoy a book, try a book, put a book back, get a different book, or like making them read the first hundred pages before they can trade out a book and like really knowing if they like it or not. Um, and I, I think the value in that is like, look, when I started at my current school eight years ago or so, um, on the first day of professional development, we were told that we would not have to any longer do lesson plans, that only first year teachers do lesson plans. I still, to this day, I haven't done a lesson plan in eight years. Because, and and what that what that did was it made it so fun to like be able to just come up with ideas and not have to prove my point to the school. It was like today we're gonna do Plato and make all the characters. Like I didn't have to fit it into a core curriculum standard. Now look, the, the expectation is that you're still doing that, but it just made you feel more free to do it. Whenever you're reading something, like when when I. I never had to read Walden by Henry David Thoreau when I was in college. If I did, I would have freaking hated that book. I read it on my own and I loved it. It's still to this day one of my favorite books I've ever read, but I enjoyed it because I didn't have to read it. Same thing with things like On the Road by Jack Kerouac or anything by Walt Whitman or anything by, um, I don't know, like I didn't have to read Malcolm X's autobiography because of school. I read it of my own volition. And when you do those things, I think that it just takes on a new life and it makes it more exciting. It's like if I had to go to the next Avengers movie and watch it for credit and then break it down and and cite 
certain things that happen in it, it just makes it not as fun, right? Like things are more fun when we feel like we get to do them to just enjoy them. I want kids to enjoy reading. I want them to walk away, like enjoying a book, loving a book, taking it home. Like my favorite is like last week I gave a kid a book. He started reading it. He loved it. And he's like, can I just have this? And I was like, yep. Like take that shit home with you and put it on your bookshelf when you're done as like a trophy. Like that's what I want you to do. Um, Oh, so Diana Forbes said, yeah. is your school hiring science teachers? I never want to do lesson plans ever again. Um, we're always hiring. So just saying. Of teaching. Yeah. West Philly. <laughs> West Philly. There's about half of us will be back next year. Um, Indy Kitty gave $5. Did you try the Feltwood Ball Fidget? Oh, no, I didn't. Um, we forgot. We no. need to write it down. Yeah, she suggested it another yeah, time. Yeah, I remember we were that. And we thought we're how awesome. fidgets and stuff. Like, it's the little balls, right? Indicating, like, oh. the little balls on the um, thing, and you can just put them, and they can, like, yeah. like, yeah, on the bottom of the desk, something they can just, like, play with. So it looks like... Kind of like a, a cat. I have, like, <laughs> a cat toy. Yeah. I have, like, a pimped-out ride from, like, the 1970s. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Mexican. It's like, like, it's like a, uh... You know, that was a little bit... No, I'm Mexican. I'm not Mexican. Oh, okay. I know. I was kidding. Oh, I was going to set it up and then say that. I think that's awesome. Thank you. I'm going to go get those. Um, can you go get those? We didn't try it, but we're going to, I'll make a note. I'm really bad at remembering things, but don't write them down. And I don't always write them Stop down during this because. Um, yeah. So go get. Go, I'll get them. Or see if they're on Amazon. Oh, that's even better. Amazon's on every, every, Amazon. everything. But thank you for Just the $5. Google wool felt balls. No, and see I'm not. What pops up I'm not. <laughs> toys oh but here you can show that you got oh. this this is your new this is a good segue point. we're at um five, five and below yesterday and so i got a couple things um one of them was this banana <laughs> here's the thumbnail right here look dude um <laughs> and it's like filled with sand or something and you can stretch it and like i was walking oh yeah but it'll go back so now it looks like a hot pepper <laughs> <laughs> so i was in there in the store and i kept messing with it and I could not stop playing with it. And so I bought this for my class, which looks like a banana got run over by a truck. And then I bought a bunch of silly putty because um, it was, what were these, a dollar? Oh, yeah. All right, which still seems like a little bit, you know, much for that. But um, silly putty oh, seemed better than Play-Doh. I have Play-Doh in my room, but Play-Doh like breaks into little pieces and gets all over your carpet and makes a mess. Silly putty doesn't seem to do that. And then I bought this other thing I'm going to use. Um, 400 writing prompts and so i'm always like trying to think of new writing prompts because we write journals every day but it's had really great ones in it like uh have you what has been your greatest self-discovery uh can beauty be found in chaos what makes you nervous have you ever considered giving something up what was it and why um you've been giving a million given given a million dollars to donate to charity where would you donate it and why uh so what do your friends say your best quality is just like fun things that you can really tie into like any book or lesson that you're doing. And I think would like excite kids to be able to talk about you trying to fix that banana now. Yeah. It's going to drive me nuts. It's going to make you crazy. Maybe you should water it. Um, Audra Smith is asking, I'm currently doing a practicum and doing a practicum in a 10th grade world history class and offered to do a review activity this coming Wednesday. Does anyone have any fun review ideas? I'm a little nervous. Um, review ideas. So I, I we do Quizzo. That's my review of choice all the time because I don't need to have any technology for it. So what that looks like is this. Um, Quizzo, five questions uh, or 
So it's typically five questions per round. I do five rounds or something like that, depending on the class, depending on the assessment, depending on how much material there's to cover. And I put kids in groups of like maybe three or four in the class. Everyone takes out five sheets of paper. They number all of them one to five. And then there's a bonus question at the end. And so I ask questions that I want them to know. I only read it once. So if someone's talking, if they're not paying attention, like you have a whole group of people, someone's got to be paying attention. Or if everyone's being too loud and not, not everyone can hear me, I just read in a regular voice like this, who was Poseidon's son? And then they can't hear me sometimes and then they're screwed. So that gets, it makes sure that everyone's going to be quiet, make sure that everyone's doing something. I also tell kids that if somebody else hears your group because they're being too loud and they say the answer, you know, whatever the hell the answer was, super loud. They can literally just steal answers. I'm not going to tell them to not listen to you. Like you're not allowed to be over there spying on kids, you know, but um, if you're just being too loud, they can steal your answer. And then I always have some silly question at the end where it's like, what is CVS, the drugstore? What does CVS stand for? What does WD and WD-40 stand for? Um, who was the first hip hop group to ever get a, a promotion deal, like a, like a sponsorship deal? Um, and it's just something ridiculous. Like, what's that little pocket on the inside of your jeans pocket used for? Or what is it called? Like stupid stuff like that. And that just adds the fun. Then in between those rounds, while I'm divvying up all the points, I have all the names up on my board. And I always give kids, I don't let them pick their own group name. I name them weird stuff. I look up Jeopardy songs. So they have like Jeopardy dubstep, Jeopardy hip hop, Jeopardy country, Jeopardy 8-bit. And then I play those in between. That just kind of makes that fun as well. And, you know, it's really... Look, I, I think that here's the name of the game for me is like, it's not always about the game. It's not always about the activity. It's not always about the cool thing that you planned. It's how can you sprinkle a little bit of magic on whatever you're doing? So it could be the same old thing you do all the time, but it's the way you present it, right? It's like when you think of like, you know, friggin' Amazing Grace is the same song. Now, like if I sing Amazing Grace or if like Whitney Houston had sung Amazing Grace, it's going to be different. It's the same damn song. She's just able to sprinkle magic and I'm sprinkling horse poop on it instead. Like it just sounds terrible. So yeah, that's what I'm thinking of in, in terms of that. Do you know what uh, WD stands for? Yeah. Water displacement. I guess someone put it on here. <laughs> damn. And that little pocket's called a fob. Yeah. Oh, I guess you need to know the answers to your questions. Yeah. Huh? Cinnamon comes from tree bark. Yes. Thank you. You're so smart. Anything else you need to know? <laughs> I got it all. CVS, <laughs> customer value service. Bam. That was a weird name for a store. What do you call in your store? Customer value service. That's too long. How about CVS? Do it. Tatiana Spencer is asking. Um, I like Tatiana Spencer's uh, profile picture, by the way. It looks, it looks classy. Um, what do you do when students start tons of books but never finish them? Uh, I tell them they're not allowed to. And so I, the reason for that is like, look, I don't want you to have to be stuck in reading something, especially something of choice. I'm really going to – I feel like I'm going to sneeze. And it's like it's messing with my brain. All right. Um, I – by B. Francis. Um, so one of the things I do is tell students that they have to – I'll say, look, if I know the book they're reading – I'll say, you have to get up to this part. If you can get up to this part and you tell me that you don't like it, cool. Like no sweat, but you have to get up to that part too. So like kids started like years ago, um, reading, um, ready player one, but like everyone would start reading it and then not finish it. And I'd say, look, you have to get up to when they unlock the first like part of the puzzle. And if you don't want to read it anymore after that, then fine. 
but like I, that's just how I get down with like books or like a book I used to recommend a lot that I really, really love is a book called The Beach, which they made a really bad movie out of with Leonardo da Vinci or Leonardo DiCaprio because Leonardo da Vinci was never in a movie that I know of. Um, and the kids would start reading it and they'd be like, this is kind of weird. And I don't really get it. I'm like, yeah, dude, you got to get to like when they get to the beach. And then if you don't like it, stop reading it. But you have to get 50 to 100 pages in is my gig. And then you can change your book up as much as you want, because I think there's a book out there for you. Um, and if a kid does that, to, if they go through like five or six books that they've read 100 pages of and they don't finish it, it's like, dude, just finish the race, man. Like, just go for it. And then see, maybe the the thing is like, when you get through that book, it'll have that sense of completion. Or the, my favorite thing, more than finishing a book as a reader, is when you have more pages in your left hand or in your – which way are we going? In your left hand than you do in your right. Like when you get past that middle part mm-hmm. and these pages are more than these pages, it's like, oh, all right, man, I made – I like made the switch over. It was like daylight savings time <laughs> in a book. You're weird. I know. Um Miss Amelia Radici, I think that's right. Um, I feel like some people's last names make me feel like I can speak another language, but I can't. Uh, uh, What advice would you give to parent-teacher approach? Um, Can you break that down for me a little bit? Like, are you talking about, like, if you're still on your – does that mean, like, connecting with parents or like how I should connect with parents or something like that. Cause I, I can try and help you out with that question, but I, um, I don't like, oh, just yeah. give me a little bit more on it. You have another one and then just keep an eye out for her answer so we can yes. help her out. Yeah. Thanks. That was quick. No singing. Patrick Millahan is saying, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking to be a world history high school teacher. Any tips for majors or minors in college? Um, you know, I don't – look, I, I don't have an answer to that. But I, I would say this more than that. I think if you're planning on going into teaching or planning on going into anything, you should get yourself like wrapped up with as much cool stuff as you can, right? Like like not just learning history but like going to places of historic significance, like taking a cross-country trip, living in the back of your car, sleeping in Walmart parking lots because they're open 24 hours and you can just sleep in the back and nobody even knows. Um, not saying I did that, but I might have. So like going and doing stuff or being involved in things that are going to help you bring what you're teaching to life and add a story to it. So like um, so I love that like I read Walden, like I said earlier, but I love more that I went to Walden Pond after I read the book and got to go see where Henry David Thoreau lived. I loved reading Ralph Waldo Emerson, but I'm loved that I got to go up to the Boston area and go see like where he lived and the kind of places that he was at and the church that he was a part of. Like, I think bringing that stuff up is super fun and makes what you're teaching. You can find ways to make it more relevant when you kind of like realize that these are not just people, places, and things that are in museums, but they were like real folks. Like in Philly, we have the opportunity to go see like the spot where like, like all the places that like Ben Franklin used to run and like Thomas Jefferson used to run. And like, um, that, that is fascinating to me. And so I would just consider doing that. But in terms of majors and minors, um, depending on what school you're going to teach in, I mean, I think that's really the game is like, where do you want to teach? What are you hoping to teach? Because like, there are certain schools that'll take you and they don't care what your major or minor was. And then other schools might be more specific. Like they might want to know that you have like a, 
like some expertise in a certain area. So that's what I would do is like, look at those schools that you're thinking about getting into and then say, maybe email them and say, Hey, if you were me and you were in college, what would you be trying to go after? Like look up their department head, their history department head and see what they think. And, and that's kind of how I would go about that. Um, oh wait, she answered. And oh, she said, did. Yes. Yes. I meant connecting with parents, like reaching them. Like reaching parents and I guess working with them. So gosh, you That's know, hard one. it is hard. I work in a school where not all parents have a phone number that works or have an address that is actually real. Um, and I, but I think, look, I am someone that does not work with parents often because I am, I teach ninth grade. I'm trying to handle things between me and my students and not between me and parents. Um, I want my guys to start acting like men and I want them to grow up and be like advocate for themselves, um, do the work because they want to act off of rewards that are intrinsic instead of extrinsic. So like not mom hooking you up with a new game or 20 bucks because you got a good grade, but because you knew that you grew as a human being. Now that's a lot easier said than done. However, that's what I'm aiming towards. Now there are tons of students like, or teachers, like my friend, Miss Cho that I referenced before, Cho calls parents every day. There's certain students she calls at the end of the week, um, their parents, and gives them like a wrap up. Like, here's what went down this week. Here's what I saw that was good. Here's what I saw that needs uh, improvement. Here's, you know, the grade and, and, and all that stuff. Because that's not my jam, I do a weekly reflection form where that students every Friday have to fill out a reflection form of like, this is what we learned this week. This is what I remember. This is what I had a hard time with. This is what I wish we could have spent more time on. These are the assignments that I missed. And this is my current grade. And anyone that has a failing grade that is a 69 or below has to get signed by a parent. Everyone else can just turn it in for credit. And so that's kind of my connection piece with parents. I also have a lot of students. So it would be very, very difficult to call everyone's parent that needed to be called in a given week. Um, so that's kind of just how I get down with that. And if you want that, I can send you that sheet if you just email me i'll put that i'll send that sheet right to you the reflection piece um because sometimes that just helps and keep parents in the loop as well um somebody nizart said you made a legally blonde reference and made her day uh you didn't give me another question though yeah that's yeah top one didn't i kind of answer that already i don't think so um, all right. So anyway, uh, Patrick is asking any advice on going back to the school you grew up to teach at. Look, I, I have, I know people that have done this a lot. Uh, some people love it. Some people it's like what they always wanted to do. And it, it's this great opportunity. And then other folks are just like, man, like it's not what I thought it was going to be. Or like they thought it was going to be easier or better, or they just be like in the loop and they'd be doing stuff like and it wasn't the same experience. I never had that. I, I wouldn't, I'm one of those people that like, I would never, I wouldn't want to go teach back at Heights. I think like where we went to school, like um, I certainly wouldn't want to teach at uh, the vocational school that I went to. That place was pretty much like the worst. Um, but I don't know, like, I think it just comes down to you. But what I would do is like, go back and like, like, Take the tour, walk the halls, like see if you can see yourself being there and being a part of that. If that feels good to you, then that's the end of the question. Like that's the punchline right there, right? For, um, Donovan, do you know if he deals with any of that? Maybe he hates it. But that's a, that's school. a terrible school though, too. Right. But so it's so like, but if Patrick's at a school is, that's 
that was awesome growing up. He loved it. He felt a part of the culture and the community. He thought the teachers were great. And now he gets to go back and be that teacher for kids that like. Or what if it was awful and he hated all the teachers and he wants he wants to be better? Yeah, like, I think those. Are, but so how does that dynamic work for this new like inspired teacher to come into? Um, an environment that isn't that could be possibly toxic or tired or yeah. those sort of educators and like how does that mesh and how does he have respect still for those older educators? I yeah, that's part of the. Question. I met a woman last week that got it became a principal in the school that she grew up in. So people that used to be her teachers growing up, she was now their boss. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? So um, I'd say stay out of the drama. Yeah. And, sure. and connect yourself with the teachers that are really doing a great job or that you really looked up and to before and just see how they kind of would roll if they were in your situation. Um, Jamie Crook, how do you deal with mental blanks? Um, gosh. I am one. I am very honest with my students. Uh, I want to not pretend that I know everything. So if I don't know something, I just – let them know that I didn't know it and I'll look it up and that it's a really great question or I'll spin it. Cause if it's a class that like thinks that they got you, I got you, man. I knew you didn't know everything. I knew you were an idiot and I should never listen to you. If you have those kids, I'd go, that's a great question. Now here's what I want you to do with that. I think that you should look it up and I'm going to give you credit. I'm going to give you until Thursday and you're, you know, it's Monday now. So you have a few days to do this. Come in on Thursday and I want you to teach a five minute mini lesson on what that means. And I'm going to give you extra credit for doing it. And then say you know and then that you know i would look that stuff up so you knew what the heck the kid was talking about and then on thursday when they come in i'd maybe add a little bit or if they didn't do a very good job or if they didn't do it, i'd say well look if you did look it up this is what you would have found and it's you know that kind of thing so what you're doing is you you uh the way you pitch that is that you're making student-centered learning and that you're uh getting the kids to be the teachers and that's the best way to become a uh that's the best way to learn is by having to learn how to teach something so and that's how i deal with it right yeah or sing a song that's all, all right a few more questions yeah uh rob smith is asking i work as a supply te a supply teacher i'm not sure oh, it's, it's in the uk all right okay as a supply teacher in a challenging inner city schools in manchester uk the students take it as an opportunity to mess around what would you suggest uh, to take down the barriers of learning. So first of all, if this is equivalent to like, so what I think, Rob, maybe you could answer this. Um, we have student teaching, which is like you're preparing to become a real teacher, but like, or a full-time teacher, rather not a real teacher. Um, and you are practicing essentially, like for, you're in the classroom with a teacher for several months and that's one thing, right? Or uh, a like a substitute teacher, like someone calls out, you're asked to cover their class for the day. Like, I'm not sure which one of those two things you're talking about. In either case, I think it always comes down to relationships. I think it comes down to like, look, kids act the way they act for a reason. They're doing the stuff they do for a reason. No one's just grows up to be a jerk. Uh, and that's not true. I say that all the time. It's hey, not my YouTube channel. That was good, man. Um, so I think it comes down to like, meeting those kids in the off hours in the, in the in-between space, whether it's in the hallway, when they're coming in at the beginning of the day, when they're leaving at the when they're leaving at the end of the day, that was, you're killing it, man. Um, or having lunch with them or seeing them outside of school or seeing that, what basketball game they go to and like, or going to other teachers and saying, Hey, do you get down with this kid? Like what's, what's the deal there? Cause I'm not sure like how to handle what this kid is doing in class. I'm wondering 
Does he do it in other classes? Does he not do it in other classes? Like one of the things I love doing is going through, um, we have power school, something called power school, which is like an online grade book. And anytime we have to do write-ups for discipline issues, we, we log them on this like online platform. And then you can go in and see what other teachers wrote. And that gives me an, a sense of like, whose classes are they acting up in? What kind of stuff are they doing? Are they doing the same thing in my class? And then talking to, I would just talk to positive teachers about this stuff, but like figuring out what that kid's game is and then reverse engineering it from there. Like figuring out a game plan based on like what's working in other classes and what's not working and then making that work for you. Um, but, but relationships are bottom line. They're the best tactic for anything. The problem is it requires you to be vulnerable. It requires you to be um, like talk to kids like on about stuff that's not always comfortable. Um, and it takes longer than like, it's never like just this one quick fix thing that you can do. It's like a process. Sometimes, sometimes you do it once and you know, you win the game. Um, so Jung Lee is asking how many different grade levels have you taught and where, and what were those grade levels? So I've taught everything except for 11th grade. So I taught ninth, 10th and 12th grade. Um, and I've taught those in Camden, New Jersey and in, in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. And then I've also taught poetry. I've taught newspaper. I've taught drama. I've taught YouTube. I've taught history of hip hop, um, Shakespeare elective, uh, and probably some other weird stuff in there too. This one. Mm -hmm. Cassie B is asking, do you think you'll always be teaching high school for a career or would you consider teaching college? So I, Cassie, I would not, I don't have any plans to teach college. Um, I love my job. Uh, what's that? Um, how do I answer this? I can see myself moving on from this position eventually, but that's mostly because it's the same reason I left Camden. Like I would still teach in Camden, New Jersey. I just couldn't make enough money. Like after we had our second kid, I like literally couldn't afford it, which is why I was stealing napkins from the Chinese food place so that I could, you know, have toilet paper at home. Um, and now I've student, my own children have, you know, and I don't talk about this very often. They have special needs also, and they are not being met by their school district. And so I have to make plans to be able to do that. So like YouTube helps pay for that. Speaking engagements help pay for that. Like there are other things that like brand deals that I do with companies, like all, like I know my why, my why is my children. And I would love to just stay in the classroom and do that. But like going out and speaking to other teachers, there's something deeply satisfying about that as well. So I'm not sure what the future exactly looks like, but I know that like that all of this that I'm doing, all the YouTube, all the speaking is definitely going somewhere, but it's going to afford me the opportunity to give my student to give my children everything that they need um and so that is the bottom line um alex rathard is saying what okay uh everyone thinks i'm crazy for wanting to teach freshmen so my question is what are your favorite parts about teaching that age group my favorite part about teaching freshmen is that they are on the brink of manhood and being too cool for anything and still have a foot in the world of pokemon cards and pokemon like cards and like, like I think some of them still secretly play with toys and like watch movies that are like, like there's still some of that, like that innocence in them. Even in, even in ninth grade, like even your hardest kids, like still will 
like when I read children's books to them, they still love it, right? Even the kid that has a tattoo on his hand or did his own tattoo across the top of his hand. Like I had a kid one year that had 215 tattooed right across his hand because that's the area code here in Philly. Um, that those kids still have that, still have a little bit of that childlike ability in them. And I like to tap into that it makes classes more fun. Uh, whereas the older you go, stuff's too cool. No one can show how funny something was or if they liked something, um, unless you already have that, that relationship with them. I find that's harder to do where like seniors are going to play with Play-Doh. They're not going to do, they're, they're going to get mad if I shoot silly string on them, you know, cause it's their birthday or but they're not going to go outside and do sidewalk chalk when we do graffiti art outside as a part of our symbolism um, lesson plan. Like it, that I seniors are not going to play with a banana that I bring in, but freshmen will play with a banana. So like, I think that's, that's why I like that group that great so much. Rachel's asking, I'm just curious, how do you, does your faith impact your teaching and interactions at school? Man, this question this creeps in every once in a while to that question. Yeah. Um, I plan to leave school because it's just, Really hard student population. I feel guilty though. Is this normal? So uh, that's a lot. Um, that's why I ended you with that. Oh, okay. So this is the last question. My faith is the reason I teach where I teach, right? And so, like, I don't talk about this often because, because um, I don't know. There's a couple of reasons I have for that. Like, I don't, I don't talk about it because I love Saint Francis. So I like. Look, I'm Christian, um, and I am like very much a part of like a community like that that decision has changed a ton of things in my life but what i'd rather do is what saint francis said is preach always and when necessary use words so i try to live that life through my actions and not so much through what i'm saying and i don't try and use youtube as a platform for doing that because i think when i my thought is what i don't want to do is like have someone come on and go oh it's that christian guy teacher i'm going to not listen to him. I'd rather bring you in and just really have that conversation. Like I talked to you about earlier. Um, I'm always interested in the story. I'm always interested in the conversation and never in just like laying down like what I think is right. And so, I mean, that faith has brought me to teach in the kind of schools that I teach in, right? That's the reason that I teach in the schools that I teach in, because I feel like those kids have been dealt a difficult hand. They're on the fringe and a lot of people don't want to deal with them. And so um, I think you stand with the ostracized. You stand with those that are that are looked down on. Though I think you stand with those that are cast out. And so, but um, you know, I. But so, but teaching in a school where it's extremely difficult is it's not. Look, it's for me. It's always only ever about the students. Some schools don't. It don't they do not deserve to exist any longer though. Like some schools suck so bad that they will literally it feels like they're like killing your soul when you're there and so i think you know we're just helping to perpetuate the cycle of shitty schools if we stay in some of these places right and like look that's something that like i cannot even stand here and say what schools are good and what schools are bad and like that you should leave a school or stay at a school because i'm not there um my, i want to leave teaching sometimes too like there are days or years or moments where i'm like gosh why do we even do this? It's so difficult. Why am I doing this? And the reason is because I, I know what I'm, what I'm there for, but that can't be the, like, it's like, is this what's really there for me? So I, I realize that that's a long kind of convoluted answer, but 
No, um, I like that it makes me think of someone like we always talk about like Parker Cole Primary who like it just yeah. schools also need to be Yeah, like, Michelle and Parker like, Cole Primary it like taught it. But I think that you also have to be realistic. You can still carry that same mission on whether it's a Title One school or an affluent school. Yeah. I think it's just about not loving like, kids. But it's also not letting your ego get wrapped up in like um, no, I can do this. I can do this. I can, I can do this. And like, change, yeah. yeah. And so like, and realizing like, is that your, where you're actually supposed to be or is your time done there and you need to move on to the next thing, you know? Yeah. So, but it's hard. It's hard to leave schools. Like when I left Camden, kids cried. Like I was a gut decision it was for you. Very, I, like, very, I, very, I almost like cried I when I told them like I was leaving. I had to convince you to leave because I was like, no, I cannot be a stay-at-home mom and we work at this job. Like, like I made so little money there. And for our my area, our cost was of like, living what? was what did we go Like $20,000 yeah, or something, something like that. that? Like that was that was game-changing money. $20,000 more dollars. And I got paid all year round. Like that was a game changer for us well and look we still said like it's not enough because our kids have special and now, needs no and now like, it's not because it was when they were four and two yeah. or whatever like that was a different animal but yeah um is that it there's more questions okay but. look there's more questions but i have to go get packed because i have to leave um for south by southwest so i'm going down the south by southwest in austin texas to do like this teaching um speech and then i'm going to tennyson middle school to do it talk also um so i'm and then i'll be in miami in a couple of weeks so you know hanging with will smith and all the other bougie people actually not hanging with bougie people having a cable cb teacher and pocketful primary and all those characters so yeah so and i'll tell you more about that as it comes up but um that is that so i gotta go get ready to go do all that stuff gang if if no one else tells you this week, right? I really appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on here. I appreciate all the hundred of you that watch this at a given time. Appreciate the thousands of you that watch it when it posts. Um, I just really appreciate it because I think you're doing the work. It is a Sunday night. You should be kicking it with your feet up with a glass of wine, but instead you're sitting here talking about education or listening about education. And even if you're doing something while you're doing that, it's still really, really important. And it just, I, you know, I went into school tonight and Cho was in there and I said, and I told her kind of tongue in cheek, like not like, um, not in all seriousness, not in all seriousness, but I'm like the real people are here on a Sunday night. And like, that's probably like the one Sunday night I've been in there all year, <laughs> but it was just like, like you're doing the work, you're putting in the work, you're asking the questions, you're being vulnerable. And I really deeply appreciate it. And even those of you that just sit here and watch and you don't ask anything, that's cool too. Because you're still kind of like feeding that part of yourself as well. And I appreciate you. Um, that's it, gang. I'll see you next week. Peace. Awkward ending as usual. And hit off.